Couch Wisdom. Couch Wisdom. Hey, this is Jordan Rothline from Red Bull Music Academy. Welcome to Couch Wisdom, Red Bull Radio's podcast presenting the best of RBMA's lecture archive. A pivotal figure in the 90s Chicago rap scene, producer No ID cut his teeth in the city's house music scene. He then turned his ears to hip-hop, producing the bulk of Common's early output, including the classic I Used to Love Her. The two childhood friends parted ways after three albums, leaving No ID to expand his horizons by managing a young Kanye West and working with Jermaine Dupri, Jay-Z, and more. In the late 2000s, No ID helped Kanye fashion the sound of 808s and heartbreaks before taking on the position of president of good music, adding boardroom experience as another string to his bow. Since then, he's become one of the top A&R men at Def Jam, founded Artium Recordings, and worked as the executive vice president at Capital Music Group. On top of that, No ID remains one of the best producers in the game, responsible for shaping the sound of albums ranging from Vince Staples' Summertime 06 to Vic Mensa's The Autobiography and Jay-Z's 444. In this episode of Couch Wisdom, taken from a public lecture at the 2018 Red Bull Music Festival Chicago, No ID discusses his early years with Common, managing Kanye West, becoming friends with Jay-Z, and why humility and focus are key to success. If you want to learn more about the Academy, please stay tuned after the lecture. For now, enjoy this bit of Couch Wisdom. I would like to bring to the stage No ID. Hello again. You know, always a pleasure to sit down with you. Um, happy to have you back in Chicago. Nah, happy to be here. Um, you oh. doing all right with the weather? It's cold. <laughs> so, you know, you've had a, an incredible career as a rapper, a producer, uh, an executive in A&R. You've really run the gamut of things that you've done in the music business. So, you know, you're one of the, some people might say you're the godfather of Chicago hip hop. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you decide that or not but you know tonight i just want to talk about your history and um you know how you got to where you are today so let's start from the beginning hip-hop in chicago how did you get into it well the funny thing about it is um for me it really starts with house music it doesn't really start with hip-hop right and i was going to talk about that but let's yeah because you said at the beginning that's why right so, all right, let's skip to hip-hop. <laughs> um, Common, you know, I've known him since we were like nine, ten years old. We used to play basketball together. Life, you know, childhood friend, um, brother. And he was the one that would bring the hip-hop around. Um, he had a cousin who passed away named Ajale from um, Cincinnati who used to um, influence us to get these tapes. And uh, that led us to listening to WHBK, which was the premier hip-hop radio station for us back then. Chili Q and JP Chill and all, a, a lot of other names that you young people might not know. But it was a foreign element to us because it was a house music city, period. That's all we had, uh, went to, were house parties. I did house music. And um, growing up on the South Side, a lot of um, things we got into were to stay out of trouble. 
um, be creative and be active in a way that would keep us on the straight and narrow. Um, and and in comes this thing called hip hop, which we had. There was no scene. There was no industry. There was no thought of a deal. There was no money. It was literally like, hmm, let's try that. And then, you know, to break dancing and making beats and rapping and making these little tapes and performing them in different places. But that was my introduction into hip hop. And it probably wasn't until I heard like paid in full or criminal minded that I was like, I want to do this. Actually, I want to do it. And so were you hearing those records on like WHPK? Yeah. And then, you know, after a while, we just started finding the the tapes so um we would go to just try and find a new hip-hop album that would come out and it was only certain stores that would have them and you had to just kind of find your way to it so it was either trying to get someone from new york to send a tape back so you could learn what the new songs were what was being played and then try and find who made it and buy the tape and then we'd play basketball in the backyard listen to the rap tapes and how big of a stronghold did house music have? Like, were you considered a complete outsider? Absolutely. Yeah. It was rare that you would hear a rap record at a party. And it definitely wasn't like, it was more like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do to this? Like, we don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know what that is. So then, then um, uh, good for another good friend that grew up with us was um, Twilight Tone. Uh, him and um, Reggie know, and they formed a crew, and they would start throwing these hip hop parties. And I think that was like the first for me. I know there were things that happened before me and my generation that definitely deserve recognition, but for me, that was the first place that I could go to and see a hip hop party. And and definitely me being from the further south side. It was, I had to make a journey to even get to that. Because those, those guys were in Hyde Park, right? They were in Hyde Park. So that was like the Dem Dare crew. Yes. And you guys were the 87th yeah. street crew. You got to be careful how you say that. <laughs> Sorry. So the USC. That means something different. Okay, okay, okay. My bad. Yeah. So... Were you guys known as the UAC at that time? That, like that an American Caravan, or was that later when you joined with Tone? That, yeah, that was. Um, I don't know that I was ever in it. I guess I was, but um, that was more like common his intermediate circle when he really started rapping because everybody needed a crew, and that was the crew. And I guess I was just more of the producer in the equation than I guess I was in it though. Right, but right. right. And did you guys mesh well with the the kids from Hyde Park, or was that like a lot of tension there? A lot of tension, a lot of tension. But um, we were nomads. We just kind of roamed around, causing trouble, playing basketball, making music, just exploring, young and dumb, without guns. Really, that right. was the, the blessing that we didn't really have to face. Kind of what this generation does. We made a lot of mistakes, but we didn't kill each other. Right, and it wasn't posted on social media for the world to see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these, these parties that you were going to where hip-hop was being played, at what point did it start to cross over and you noticed, okay, like, they're starting to become a scene here, and, you know, these people are making music over here, they're doing it on this side of town, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going I'm to say for me, 
because I'm going to try and touch on some things I haven't touched on because I've done a lot of interviews. Um, and I told him I'm going to get into some why, um, a little more why this time than just what. Um, for me, I really kind of quit music at some point and went to college. And I really didn't even have uh, a thought anymore about making it. It, and it being a scene, I think I kind of ran a course with, because I was making house music, and I think the business went so bad that I didn't have any faith in business anymore. And the sight of business for hip-hop and the necessary, the need of a scene was kind of irrelevant to me at that point. It was more just like, all right, what am I going to do? I don't know what I want to do with my life. And um, I ended up just going away to school which um, didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So you, you go down there, and from what I've read or what we've discussed in the past, you and Common were kind of sending music back and forth, playing it for each other on the phone, answering machines and things like that, right? Well, no, this is actually how that went. Was I, um, I went away to SIU, which is a party school, <laughs> and I lost my mind. You had a little too much fun. I did. A little too much fun at SIU. And I, and I actually, the weird thing is I went for electrical engineering, something you're not supposed to lose your mind if you have any <laughs> right, hopes right. of getting through it. But I had the wherewithal to, I remember calling my mother like a year and a half in going, I don't want to waste your money. I need to come home, right? And now, you know, it's serious now. So now, you know, I saw that Common was still going with the music, and I was like, hmm. And now I could kind of see the seeds of a scene and different things. Um, so you were watching this happen from afar. I watched it and I go, I got to get back in it. How am I going to get back in it? So I started making beats for me. Because uh, you rapped. Because I rapped. Yes. And People was, here may not know that. But yeah. So I was like, maybe I could be like the third guy in the crew that <laughs> after, you know, I yeah. could be like. And I just started making beats. You'd be like MC Ren, no disrespect, but like you're not Cube, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It wasn't, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just like, I got to do something. Yeah. Um, because my, my parents had a rule which um, served me well, which was have a job or get out or be in school, take a pick. So um, I remember the first real job I worked was telemarketing after I came home from college and lasted a day and a half. <laughs> and then That fast, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then my father, he's a, uh, has an electrical company in Regents Park, was one of his clients. So he goes, come over here, put you to work. And it was so bad. <laughs> and the way the other people were in the building were treating me, it was just... So I got about a weekend, and they had me doing stuff like scrubbing the pool with acid and cleaning pipes on the roof 100 degrees and steam in my face. And I remember looking at the pipes, looking at the lake, and I'm doing music, right? And that's when I decided, right? And I come down, I go, I quit. I'm doing music. My father's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, music. He's like, that's not a real thing. What I mean, it, very foreign now. I mean, yeah. even even no, no. now, it's... Yeah. But back then, it's like... Yeah, he's talk, like, you, come on, man. In Chicago? Like, what yeah. do you mean? He's like, well, you know what this means. You gotta... I'm not, I know. And I packed up my Aries K. And 
I drove to Tallahassee where Common was still in school. I showed up. I said, Did he know you were coming or did you just yeah, I told him. pull up? I said, I'm on the way. I'm pulling up. <laughs> Make some space. So in that time period is where I started. It's, it's actually funny because um, a good friend of ours, Omarah, was back here with him. And I remember the day when Tone, Omarah, and me and Common, we used to go to his house in High Park and just play stuff. And I remember I came and played some of my beats and they had finally got there. And, and he said some raps and they finally got there and we kind of looked at each other and was like, and he was like, let me get that one. And that was the first time that I was really producing for him. And really, most of the beats on um, Can I Borrow a Dollar were my beats for me. And he just Oh, for yourself? Okay. Yeah, he would be like, let me get that one. Let me get that one. And I was like, and mind you, like, I ended up getting like $200 a beat. You know? It's a pretty good deal. Mm. It's not bad. It worked. Yeah, it works. I it mean, worked. you know, it's a placement. A placement. It worked. Um, Did you do his demo? The one that eventually got to that, the- that That was some of the stuff that, okay. that came about. So all in this time period, it's like, you know, my level of desperate tempo sped up. You know, I was just making more and more and more music. And that's when I started leaving the messages on the machine and playing uh, beats, anything, just to get something going because it didn't look good. But then things start happening. Things start happening. And whatever that means, it really didn't, but it did. Right. He got a deal, which was an indie deal. I, the irony of that yeah. in 2018, when people are now fighting for independence, we started in an indie deal, where that's what hip-hop was. It was indie deals. Because um, it was through relativity. Relativity. And, um, Before they were yeah. picked up by... Now, mind you, I mean, okay, we put a record out. It wasn't like... It was still like, yeah, that's cool. And I remember like two specific things that happened. We went and opened up for Luke at FAMU. <laughs> and I'm DJing. That, that, that is and apples and oranges like, right there. Oh, man. And we're doing these records, take it easy. And, and the pennies start <laughs> flying. And I'm like... So you're ducking loose change yeah, on the stage. Like, Not panties, pennies. Yes. Yeah. Penny for my thoughts. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, let's wrap it up, you know. And then, were you as DJ? Were, were you DJ? Yeah, I actually had the, the SP1200s up there, and I was actually doing music. So live. Tone would DJ, and then you would do. No, he wasn't even DJing then. He was hype man. Okay. First out. Okay. So he was actually performing. And the next, then we left there and we went and opened up for KRS-One. And we in there, we having fun. I love KRS-One. And he's rapping and he th- we're throwing the sampler tapes out and the sampler tapes are coming right back. <laughs> <laughs> and are you in New York opening New York. up for him or is I'm this like, here? Man, local. We ain't there yet. Okay. Not there yet. We're not there yet. You're not there yet. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't really till Resurrection that things turned around. But you... From the outside looking in, as a young fan, I'm seeing the videos on Rap City. I'm seeing the videos on Yo! MTV Raps. So to the outside world, it looks like you're on and like, okay, these are rap stars. Welcome to the industry. <laughs> it looks different than it is, you know. And, but we, you know, we knew. We, we were going out. We were touching the people. So we know when people 
really were in and when they weren't, just because it got played, that I mean people liked it or respected it, to be honest. Uh, but it was, you know, it was baby steps. And, you know, a lot of times people don't understand until you really, you know, your environment can create something really special, but it can be multiplied when you go around the world and you see more. That's when you can expand that thing. And sometimes we don't ever get to that point um, because we don't know how to get past that tipping point that allows us to move around and journey and see different environments and learn other stories and kind of take that and come back and apply it differently. That's, that's the thing that can hinder a lot of artists. People don't want to move around and go do that type of thing. Absolutely. You got to really want it. Yeah, and I always say this, you know, music is the one, not the one thing, there's a few things, but one of the things that a lot of people just try and do with no previous education, no proper guidance and mentorship. You don't need it to get in the business, right? Just wake up one day and I do music. I'm a manager. I produce. I got Fruity Loops. It was free. I downloaded it. And that's it. And, you know, there's no other real profession in this world where you just wake up and do it and say you're doing it. I mean, you know. Not, now it's even easier. Like, there's no point of, like, barrier no, of entry anymore. No, you could just do anything and put it out. <laughs> right. And buy some views. Right. <laughs> it's that easy. I look. Buy followers. But all you guys had to actually go to a studio. <laughs> we had to, yes. We had to go through all this, you know, all the time. And it had to bear fruit um, in a real way. Otherwise, it did not exist. It just didn't exist. Like, there's a lot of things that were played back then that we don't talk about it. And those people don't have careers. They don't, you know. And we're supposed to pick something that's supposed to, you know, feed our families and fulfill us. But, you know, that's not always the case with the paths we choose. And, you know, when you take three steps back again, like, what made us think we could just do it anyway. Yeah. Like that's that's something that, you know, motivational people do it. You could do anything, you know. But <laughs> there is a thing called education, right? And you know, then the, the positive person goes, educate yourself and then you can yeah, and so I'm right in between the middle there. It's like I'm seeking information. I don't have to go to a specific building and pay to learn. It's 2018, the information is available, you know. You can seek seek information, guidance. Um, and I guess my point is that when I look back, I can see the growth between Demo, Cannonball Dollar, Resurrection. It was we began to educate ourselves. We met people. We learned more. I learned what I was doing. I wasn't guessing. I was applying what I had. As the kid that grew up, father played jazz in the house, always heard it, loved music, DJ played house music, understood tempos and edits and remixes, and then got into hip-hop and understood um, those elements. But then as I traveled, 
I began to understand how people were making records that were working. And I no longer was guessing. And I was mixing that with what I liked. And then it kind of turned into my style. Right. And did you did you record Can I Borrow a Dollar in Chicago? Or did you have to like go to New York? And, New York. So everything at the time, you guys were going to New York to... to yeah. Record everything, and and the funniest thing is like I used this SP twelve hundred, which only had ten seconds of sampling time. So a lot of the records we would need twenty seconds. So I had to make part of the beat on here, and then take the disc out, and make another part, and I would never even hear it together until it was late. So when we went to do this album, we would go and we got like, all right, we're doing thirteen songs, and we got ten days. And we never heard it all together ever before that. Wow. So now, I mean, you would have to go literally lock in for ten days. Yeah. Writer's block, be damned, creative. Blocks. No, no, no. You, you got to was... have the songs before you get there. Yeah. Okay. You're not writing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Nobody's writing in there. It's well, like, I mean, if listen, you're... ten days. Yeah. Have your raps and you have these beats. Go. So you never heard them. There was no pre-production no. before that, though. No. Okay. So the first album comes out. Doesn't I mean it doesn't sell that well, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you get another shot. Yeah. How hard was it to get another shot back then? Easy. We didn't. We didn't. Two hundred dollars a beat. <laughs> the budget was small, <laughs> yeah. so you might have end up. You were, you know, you didn't. I mean, the deal might have been fifty thousand dollars. You know, right. So they give you another chance. Yeah. And this becomes the resurrection. Well, because the Soul by the Power remix. So that's what did it. That's what kind of made people go, ah, okay, give them a shot. Okay, because they liked that record that that had the most traction of it. Yeah, that was like, okay. Then I got a couple calls, hey, man, that was pretty good. Before it was like, yeah, man, doing doing your little rap thing, huh? Yeah, (laughs) keep it up. And, And so you guys are going to New York, you're traveling around, you're these Chicago kids in New York and are you getting there's like there's no rap in Chicago I'm sure they're probably kind of treating you guys a little different were you getting respect yeah not not at first um but you know the first people we met was like the beat nuts Chiali you know we met Q-Tip like you're like native tongues and like yeah yeah that you know Fat Joe pun before pun was signed so we're just in this circle where you know, back then, like, digging in the crates was a thing. So, you know, I was a DJ, so I'd be like, hey, you know, back in Chicago, it's a lot of records. You want to give me some names? I'll go get some stuff for you. Which is how I really started to learn how to do that specific art um, of just finding um, obscure music to sample, which broadened my ear, made me more educated. I learned about reading about the personnel on records. Um, it just expanded my horizons in a way that I never would have just expanded it on my own. So, right. so this is 94, which is maybe the most competitive year in rap music history. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you, if you, if you I call it the platinum era. Right. The golden era was before the right. platinum era. This is the platinum era. Yeah. Where people were really going platinum. Yeah. Um, Drug dealers are accepted, too. <laughs> before that, they weren't. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, you know, you're you're competing with the likes of Biggie. Yeah. You're competing with 
you know, like Nas drops in 94. You've got, you know, Wu-Tang's doing their thing in 94. Craig Mack. Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff happening. You know, yeah. it's Murder Was a Case soundtrack. Yeah. Like, and you, you, that album drops in the fall of 94, right? Fourth quarter. Yeah. Yes. So all the big dogs are out. Yeah. Not to mention, Chronic is still tearing up the atmosphere. Doggy yeah. style, like all these things. Doggy style still. Like, so imagine we like take it easy and all of that's happening. We like, oh man. And it's a big change from from uh, Can I Borrow a Dollar to Resurrection. I mean, it's a completely different sound. Yes. Common was kind of like rapping almost like a Daz effects. Like he had a fast rap. Yes. The beats were fa- like this was a totally different sound. Yeah, this was like, hey man. We're going to get serious. <laughs> Stop playing around. Man. I'm not playing. You're not playing. Right. right. Let's go. So what changed the mindset? Is it because you saw? Yeah, we traveled. We saw the pennies was flying, everything. Like, <laughs> hey, man, this ain't going to, we're going to be back at home. Right. Let's turn up. Let's not go back home. And we're not going, we're not going We're not going home. Need, we're going to go home with a W. Yes. A hundred percent. Without a doubt. So it was now it was like pit bull mentality. It wasn't, it was no longer like, hey, we just want to be respected. It was more like, uh uh-uh. uh, y'all not going to do this to us. Just make us look crazy out here. No. <laughs> and, and so that album happens. I used to love her. We, looking back, it's a classic album, Undisputed. Mm. But at the time, when it dropped, how did you feel it was received? Were you disappointed? Because I read somewhere it sold like 2,000 copies in the first week. I don't know if that's true or not, but... Yeah, that's true. I don't... You know, at that point, I don't even know that we even were conscious of... First week sales. First week sales like that. I think we were still just more like, oh, man, we're getting good reviews. Oh, man, certain people are calling us up saying they like it. People that we respect, you know, I think that was probably more important to us because, again, I don't think we had any concept of, you know, Puff and Big hadn't threw the rollies in the sky just yet. So it wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, we didn't, the, the Cristal didn't really, it wasn't in our club as a, it was more about purchasable res- option. <laughs> <laughs> it was still about respect, having yeah. skills, have be, having yeah. dope beats, being able yeah. to, you know, find the 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 obscure samples, find, yeah. you know, having the best beats, having the best rhyme. Like that's what it was then. Yeah, it's just a, it was just a different time period. That's what I'm more so trying to say. Not making light of any of the errors. It was just, you know, I I hadn't even looked at myself as a producer yet. I looked at us like a group, like gangster. Whatever, Pete Rock and CEO Smooth. It was just, man, we just wanted to be accepted and appreciated. And once that happens, you know, what, what was this? What was the climate like in the city? So you come back home, you come back to Chicago. How were you? How were you guys treated when you come back? Because I feel like now there's a scene happening. Yeah, you know, and then across town, you got like crucial conflict and do or die and. Like Twister, they like selling records. And that's what I that's one thing that we <laughs> had. We're like, wait, whoa. We've never talked about this. And this is something I've always wanted to ask you. Nah, that's good. We never talked about it. Yeah, we haven't talked about this. All before. right, good. We're Let's not go. just going through the motions. Let's go. So what is that like? You have this critically acclaimed album, 
everybody loves it. The video's getting heavy rotation on Rap City. I, everybody loves I Used to Love Her. The Resurrection the video's crazy. But then you come back to Chicago, and it's like, okay, well, we're not selling a ton of records. But across town, even though Traxter is from the South Side, mm-hmm. he's producing for Do or Die, who have a smash hit smash. with Pope Pimp. They rebrand smash. Twista from like a gimmick yeah. rapper to like, okay, this dude's for real. Yeah. And then you got Crucial Conflict. Yeah. They're going gold and platinum. So yes. what, what, are you, what are you feeling? Um, I don't think that, I think it was such an artistically different expression that we had not accepted that as a competition. We kind of just looked at it like, oh, wow, that can happen. Um, more than, wait a minute, why is that happening? Um, and even, um, you know, the funny thing is I joke with Traxter about how it was like this unspoken tension between us for years, and it wasn't until we weren't in Chicago that we were like, hey, man, hey, what's up? Let's go. The no ID versus Traxter. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't a... Um, it wasn't something that really bothered us. It wasn't something that really, you know, had it been the type of music we were making and it was doing those numbers, we probably would have fell away. But I think we just looked at it like, oh, okay. It was such a different sound. Yeah, it was more like, wow, that's possible right. for someone here. Hmm. And I think that's what you get going into one day it all makes sense is like, okay, let's expand. Let's work with Eric Badu. Let's work with Lauren Hill. Let's work with CeeLo. Let's work with Roots. Let's work with... It was no longer about let's just go in the basement and make some music. Now it's like, all right, let's, let's try and win. Right. So that's, Not just be credible. Right. So then that's when the commercial aspirations begin. Yes. But nothing was a, a super reach. No, it was still within the wheelhouse. Yeah, That's right. what I mean. It wasn't like we were like, oh, man, we got to make something like... You didn't do a so G-Funk so. album or something like that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I mean, but we didn't... Again, you're still talking about some young Southside kids who stumble upon this music and are experimenting in every possible way, trying to hold on you know, to something for artistic purposes as well as um, to keep making a living. Because a lot of the money we made was just touring around. It wasn't like big money yet, ever. So despite <laughs> what people see on TV, they're like, oh, man, these guys are rap stars now. Yeah, man. And, and those three albums, I never made over 5000 a beat for me. And that's just what it was. Yeah. And there was a lot more money in the industry. There's people who start out right now get offended. Right. <laughs> Tell them yeah, 2000. Yeah. They're like, yeah. what? That have never had a placement. Yeah. It's crazy. So, at the same, one, one of the things that I remember about the one day it'll all make sense era is that at the same time they were marketing that album, they were marketing your album. Yes. Interesting about that album, you can't find it no, on no. streaming. Yes. All right. So, watch this. This is what happened. Um, <laughs> in the process of doing maybe coming out of the first album, it was this A&R, Peter Kane, that worked at Relativity that we um, did the deal with. And I go to him one day, because I'm just thinking like that. I go, so what are you looking for? He's like describing it. And I go, cool. 
I go make a demo. And this was all part of me going like, again, I used to just be able to do it. So I didn't, I was like, man, I'm going to make a couple extra dollars, be the third guy in the crew, whatever. And I just go make a demo, six songs in like two days. And he gives me a record deal. That easy. That easy. And then Resurrection works, which really puts me in the place of like, wow, why am I doing that? I, I think I think this is working now. I don't have to divide my time. So I stopped working on it. I didn't even work on it. And I had this budget sitting there. And um, after resurrection work, you know, Peter comes to me and is like, hey, man, what are you doing? I gave you <laughs> where's the well, yeah, Where's the album? I gave you a budget. I'm like, oh, man, I, I got to make it. <laughs> so I literally... Took my budget. Amazing that you still had it. Bought a house. Okay. Built a studio in the house. Built a studio. Literally Not built it. Paid. I didn't hire anybody. Not yet. Hammer and nail. Bought the equipment, put it in there. Got with Doug Infinite. It was a good Shout out record. to Doug Infinite. Shout out to Doug Infinite. And made a record in the basement. Engineered it, mixed it, recorded it. Everything. It was very cheap yeah. to make for you. Because I mean. at this point, I was like, why am I going, this is a budget. Like, I want I want the money. Right. <laughs> keep the budget for yourself. Yeah, keep, the, like, keep the overhead low. I'm like, I'm going to end up with a house and a studio. I can do something with that. If I just end up with a record, I've seen it. It may not mean a, mean a thing. And I think what happened with that, album going back to why you say you can't hear it is like I remember going into the company one day and talking to the higher ups and they're like yeah you know man Diddy is killing it right now man we need this is 97 this yeah is now it's era. like now the pressure is on I'm like you know what I quit before the album dropped I quit <laughs> you filmed the one video I said I'm gonna shoot one video I'm gonna do two shows that's it. So you did not promote the album at all? No. Wow. And Never I didn't, that. And I was like, that's it. Never to be a rapper again? No. I made the decision right there, like, no, nah, y'all not going to make me not. I'm me. I'm not going to be that. You're not going to make me want to be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel comfortable being that guy that you're talking to me about. Right. Shout out to Paul. I love him. Brother of mine, but... My, anybody that knows me, my personality just wasn't even built for that era. Right. So I immediately was like, this is... That was heart, the heart of the shiny suit era. The, the pinnacle of See, that. See, you said that. I didn't say that. It's fun. I mean, <laughs> they can come for me. It's no big deal. But I'm, I'm a, I was a fan of the Jiggy era. I, I have no shame in that, but that was not you. Not me at all. So I made that decision early, and I, um, I shut the door um, fast. And it's that's when Relativity, like, got picked up by a major. They had, like, a major... Were they with yeah, that, nah, they got Bone Thugs and Harmony. They, they had some money. Like, they had some real money at that point. Yeah. Things are just taking a whole nother turn, you know. There's more money in rap than ever. Yes. I'm looking at it now, and I'm going, like, all right, I got to recalibrate and figure this out. And at the same time... Because I just remember there was a very dope dual marketing campaign for... Your album and Commons one day it'll all make sense. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, there was tension. Between That's what I was going to, yeah. That started our 
first tension which all friends, lifetime friends go through. And I think, um, you know, that was when um, I started having different ad thoughts and ambitions. And I'm like, man, let's have a label together. We can sign these people. And we got these two girls over here, Tifa and Shauna. And, uh, this kid, Infamous this kid Kanye over here. I got, um, you know, and I'm like, we can, and then just roll. And then, Doug, if, man, we could be like the new Death Row. Let's, let's Dr. Dre this shit. Yeah, let's do it. And he's like, <laughs> no. And next thing I know, you know, he's like, oh, you kept that beat for you, huh? Okay. He was tight. He didn't get state to state. <laughs> yeah. He wanted that. So although it looked like a cool double rollout, it was tension. It was, it was bad. So that started the initial breakup between No ID and Common. That first breakup. I don't even call it a breakup. That was when he was like, oh, I'm not the... I'm not, I'm not the golden one. He's like, oh, you, you've been plotting to be the solo oh, guy the whole time. Are you going to help others? And you're, okay. And not negatively. I think it was more of, you know, I, knowing him this many years, I think it was a level of uh, insecurity, you know, of, man, my brother's not 100% behind me now. What am I going to do? Not more like I need to be ego st style. More like, man, I better expand. The next thing he's like, yeah, I'm moving to New York. And I'm so like, that was it? Well, it didn't have to be. Because a few things happened in that time period. I think he did, um, he had the beef with Cube. And I was like, nah, I'm not with that. So that is that why Pete Rock did? Yeah, because I wouldn't the do the you. And I was like, mm, I don't, I don't feel the spirit of that. It, it felt, it felt wrong to me. It didn't feel like it was going in the right place. And I, I never was one to. I don't care about the money. I just felt like I don't, I don't like the spirit of where it's going. And so that was the first time I'd ever not produced for him, which calls for an outside producer. You know, before it might be a remix or something. But I think that was, that was also a strain of him being like, oh, I can't count on you to do everything. Okay, then I need to expand what I'm going to do too. So then the famous Chicago, you got to leave to get on. So he leaves. And then it's like, I could have left too because we had left before. But I think at that point I go, nah, I don't want to do that. And then we both were like, you know, valley a decision which um i had to decide what i wanted to do and he had to figure out a way to keep going and i would imagine that was very tough you guys were young i mean that was yeah i mean again we're still talking about kids because i want to say this is um what year is that that's, that's 97 like 98 mid, mid 20s like we don't know we just made music for some years and traveled around touring and having fun. Um, and I think that was my first time where I was like, okay, what is my career? It's not just producing with Common. What, what, I don't know what that means. I don't even know how to, and I had to literally like take a step back, but luckily I had a house, a studio, I had some things. Some artists that you were? Yeah. And don't, you were getting calls from other artists to produce for them too, right? Yeah, you were I turning heard. them down. At the, yeah, yeah. Who were some of those artists? 
Um, I mean, just like people be like, man, but Big wants some beats. I'll be like, nah, I'm commas guy. I don't Ghostface wants some beats. You heard this and that. Oh, nah, I don't. And later, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I passed on giving do? Biggie a beat? Yes. That you're a loyal guy. But, <laughs> no, you got to look at the, nobody did that back then. Pre-Elmatic, nobody did that. One producer. Yes. One, one artist. Or the one team or one producer. So it wasn't a concept. It was like, huh? Yeah, what was that sound like? It's not. Yeah, it's not like, oh, man, Tribe Called Quest is working on an album. Let's submit beats. That <laughs> was not a thing. No. Let's <laughs> submit to Pete Rock and CL Smooth. No. It just don't. It didn't Couldn't work. could submit like, a beat for Doggy Style. No. No. It's Trey and his team. So it wasn't, again, some of the stuff was, it was just, it, was, it, it wasn't until it started spreading out that I was like, oh, man, I blew it. I blew it. But, I mean, luckily I had those little, I built that little nest egg, um, which saved my life. Because, I mean, I'm, you, I'm guessing you were pretty tight once you, you know, Common has his first big record once he stops working with you. Nah, I don't or think were I was, you upset or like happy about that? I don't think I think I was indifferent. Um I may not have liked the fact that he now had a big budget and I didn't <laughs> ever get my payday. <laughs> yeah. All those years. So like Jay Dillon and those guys. Yeah, get the, like get I'm the like, really? Really? You gonna pay them, huh? Yeah. Okay. But Again, you know, in my mind, it's still like I, my personality is like mm, it's possible. All right, so what do I want to do now? Um, because you know, ultimately, uh, we're responsible for ourselves. When no one's responsible for anything for us, um, and you know, although you may have expectations or pain or growing pains or whatever. Um, Nobody owes us anything. So I always knew that. And it just inspired me to open a new chapter. And how did you start the new chapter? That's a good question. But I know you're a historian and you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. What was it? I think it was okay. I helped Syndicate get a deal. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, try, I was trying all kind of stuff. I was like, I'm a. I stopped producing rap. I'm going to do R&B. And I just started doing a bunch of R&B, which was making me grow. Um, but I started to get these little scattered placements. Right. And that's how, I mean, I was watching yeah. from afar. You were popping up on a G-Unit album. Yeah, G-Unit, uh Benny Siegel, Tony Braxton. Yeah. I mean, you were on the Blueprint, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um... And how are you maneuvering that at the time? Did you have like management? Were you in and out of different guys, you know, experimenting, nothing really, you know, just like And were you still were you still in Chicago at the time? I was. How difficult was that? <sighs> Tough years. Tough years. Um Are you flying back and forth New York, LA with like, you know Yeah, but not really. I'm just here. 
and I'm trying to really do it from here because I built this studio and I got this studio here and I got this house and I got and I got these people and I always had these aspirations to you know, build these camps and these circles and teams and win. And I saw and tracks in them did it. And they, although, oh man, it looked like it fell apart a little, but you know, we could do it. We could do it. And um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy as easy as I thought. Um, so I remember time I sat in the basement with the keyboard player that I was working with named Shabazz, and I said, "All right, listen." Here's these blank dats, dat tapes, recording tapes, digital recording tapes. And they were like 90 minutes. I was like, we're going to fill them all up with music. I like some people going to come, some people going to go, some things going to happen, some things not going to happen, but let's just keep filling them up. Guarantee you something's going to happen if we keep going. And we just started doing it. And we just were filling it up, filling it up. People were coming, people were going. And it was almost like uh, paint the fence, karate kid, you know, wax on, wax off. And, you know, from that, just different things were happening. Um, I developed, around Resurrection, I, I developed that relationship with hip-hop, who was at Rockefeller. This is around Jay-Z's first album, you know. In that time, no big deal. It's just he wasn't the biggest rapper, you know. Um, so you know, like building a rapport with other industry rapport, people, so, like you know. And and you know, I just started meeting different camps, and I go in and out, and you know, even I was supposed to be um, involved in the, the Rockefeller thing with the blueprint and all of that. It, I think it was really just I didn't like the paperwork. It just kind of scared. I mean, you felt like maybe you'd been burnt in the past. I'm just, hey, man, I worked all these years, man. I want my money now. Right. <laughs> I want my money. Uh, no more what scraps. Is, yeah, no, no, no. So, you know, I remember it clearly, like, it was like me, Bink, Just, and Kanye. And me and Bink were like, we don't like this business. Because mm -hmm. really, if you go back and if you look at um, the back of... Beans album, like all of us, is a produced by all of us for Rock the World. Right, yeah. Right. The, for the Reason album. So that was what the team was going to be. So Rockefeller was trying to cuff put you guys as G. like a, like make G. Robeson and Hip Hop. Wow. Right. So the, the, the crew was going to be called what? Rock the World. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Ah, you got me. Got, got me. And I think we all looked at the paperwork, and Justin, yeah, he was like, oh, "We don't care, whatever." And I was, so they were like, "They were like, whatever, we're going, we're in, we, we down." They're a lot younger, more inexperienced, whatever. And I think we were like, "Nah." And you know, it was funny because it was certain people back after that happened that was like, "Oh man, you blew it. It's over. You blew it. You're a dummy." Because Rock Rockefeller just explodes at that explodes. point. Explodes. Hottest, hottest label in the world. Yes. And you're in Chicago. Like, I, I could have I been a part of it. Yeah, but at this point, I had stopped and pride. I'm like, nope. You, I mean, that... Too many years now. Too much blood, sweat, and tears. I'm like, nah. I don't, I don't want to just be cool and accept it. I did that. So then your understudy or your yeah. mentee, Kanye, yeah. goes the route blows up. You probably, I don't know if you expected that to happen or not, but of course not. 
course not. <laughs> I would be a liar. That's what I would, I mean, you probably thought. Anybody that ever says that is a liar. <laughs> I was there. I saw every, I don't know. And I don't, because meaning, even if you thought he was going to win, nobody could predict that. He's going to be the big, one of the biggest stars on the planet at one point. Come on. Hey, Dion, your mother knows his mother. She says, helps out the little kid. He's going to be the biggest. No. He's just coming to your house, knocking on your door, bothering you. You're doing like, grown-up stuff. Oh, and just take these records, sample them, please. Go home. So you're just, you're having him find samples for you, basically. No, I'm just like, this is how you do beats. Go home and do this. Stop. Get out of my door. I got grown folks stuff to deal with. Do you understand what's going on? Yeah. Get out. <laughs> yes. And then, boom. College dropout explodes. Kanye becomes one of the biggest rappers. Yes. So you're watching that. You're probably like, what the f***? No, nah, now I'm just going like. <laughs> Who knows, right? It's the, whole, the whole thing is a Anything's gamble. possible. <laughs> Everything is possible. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, man. I could fly to the moon. Right. If I want to. Anything's possible. This kid that I, it, you know, it's beyond disbelief, I'm sure, at this yeah, point. Yeah, so. no, now it's like, because you got to understand, again, my personality is when it happens, I go, I don't go like, I should have. Like, people don't know this. I was his manager early. Like, I took him to meetings with labels and all kind of stuff. It wasn't just, I wasn't trying to be a mentor. Right. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a concept. He's probably acting wild in meetings. You're just like, oh, man. Yeah. They're I, never going to let me back in here. I left one meeting with Columbia. And here's the irony. He was like, he told Donnie Irina, I'm going to be the next Michael Jackson. <laughs> and we were just like. <laughs> everybody. He actually kind of did it. And they were like, okay, so have a good day. Never call us. Never call yeah. us again. Came in the limo, left in the taxi. <laughs> and I remember I got home and I was playing a video game with Peter Kane because we were co-managing him at the time. And I go, I don't think I should manage you, man. <laughs> I just don't think it'll work. Like, and He was devastated. Again, this is back to the same thing. I'm like, I'm the guy that was like, I shouldn't rap. Like, I'm a realist. Like, it wasn't about what I could make off of them. I was like, man, I don't really think I can handle. Just your personality. Yeah, I go crazy. I'd rather just help you and get nothing. You know, and I think that's what preserved our relationship over those years is that I never really asked for anything. You weren't in his pockets. You didn't try to sign him to a production deal or something like that. No, I just helped. So um, when it happened, it was more like, Ha-ha. 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 Okay. More, um, more space to conquer. More possibilities. Um, less judgment of people I meet. Like, I immediately I threw out the window right now. Like, I, don't nev I never know who I'm talking to. It could be the next biggest thing in the world. That's a lesson to learn. I mean, yeah. you don't know who's, who is going to be what. Yeah. And it, Put my ego in check. It brought me to a humble, more humble place of respecting each and every person for their potential, even when you don't see it, because you never know, and you can't you know, like measure yourself um, in in a way to 
compare with anyone. You just have to measure yourself to decide where you want to go, not versus anyone. Because, um, you know, the hardest thing about, and anybody, <laughs> I, I, I liken this to a Chicago trait, but it might just be a human trait, but I've really experienced it more than here. It might just be coming from here. The hardest thing really was never about the success or the lack of success of my peers. It was always the other people. And this is how the other people go. Hey, man, your man doing real good, man. Right. They're in your ear making you feel like you... He called you lately, man? What, why, what, what are you talking about? I'm just saying, man, you know, he was right here with you, man, you know, and now he's doing that, man, you ain't, man, he could at least he could do is. <laughs> and that's the worst thing, that's the worst part, they're making it worse, you're probably, you know, on the I'm inside. like, hey, man, I'm going at my pace, it's okay, I'm just saying, man, he already <laughs> over there, man, he ain't, he ain't call you back, man. <laughs> hey, man, relax. I'm okay. So, you know, being able to deal with that, because I watch a lot of people not be able to deal with that. I don't mean just in music, I mean in life. Um, which is being able to accept your pace in life and not um, compare it to other pace of people you know, um, people you don't know, and allowing it to energize you versus discourage you. Um, is a big part of the reason I have a career and that we, I can sit in front of you and talk is not that I'm really that smart or that creative genius and the, all those things that we toss around and I absolutely don't accept for myself. But I actually just believe that I knew how to curtail my um, the negative parts that can emerge. That's what can mess you up. That's what can derail yeah. you. No, that's really why a lot of people have spikes. They, they, they do good and they don't. It's because the pressure of all these things, um, if you don't have the right character, it implode, you'll implode. And you'll um, be unable to restart humbly and reinvent and grow when necessary. Um, I, I do it all the time. I never created anything in my life sitting down thinking, how amazing am I? Right. Not that ego. No, I just sit down and go, I'm a 17-year-old at heart still trying to make music that people like. And it's a new group of people. And they may not know me. They may not care what I did. And we may be talking about things right now that somebody's like, mm, I don't even care about that power story, or whatever, man. you know. Yeah, and like, Move on to the important stuff, you know. How can I get a deal? Right. <laughs> What's the secret recipe? You know, I, but it's character and it's education. Um, because throughout all these times, the part that I'm leaving out is I'm actually meeting people and I'm learning and I'm really putting pressure on myself to elevate my level of education to the point today when I go seek out mentorship with Quincy and Stevie and the people that worked with them because I feel like we have all this information with these giants and we general, 
our generation does not take that those jewels and we don't pass those jewels and they get lost and we see our greats pass on and we treat them bad until they die then and then we celebrate and we play all the records and we cry and streams go up yeah percent but but they're right here they won't be forever and they won't and they will gladly tell us three-fourths of what we don't know and what we're trying to figure out. And having a level of humility can allow you to access that information and prolong your stay um, in what you do, no matter what you do. I don't care what you do. And, and, and what would you credit, like, you know, after all that happens, and I can fast forward a little bit, you know, you're back in the game big. Mm. You're getting these major placements. You're you're producing DOA for, for Jay-Z. Yeah. You... I, I'll do the short version. I humble myself. I sit at home. I'm sitting there too long, man. This ain't working. Why? Man, I know Jermaine Dupree. Why is Jermaine Dupree better than me? I'm going to humble myself. Hey, JD, I'm coming down to work with you. Let's work together. Why do you want to work with me? Because... I just want to work. I want to learn. And that was, a, why did you call Jermaine Dupree? Because I'm just educating myself. And I'm like, you obviously know something I don't know. He has all these hits. I mean, he's... You're killing. Did you go down there like Usher Confessions time? It was right after. Okay. So... He's got the... He's the he got the sauce. The, 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 and if you guys don't remember, the, I mean, that's a 10 million sell. That's a diamond album. Yeah, like, yeah I'm like, man, I don't even know what's going on. I got to see He's doing Mariah. He's doing yeah. uh, so. You're down there watching this. All all, all of Nelly, Mariah, Usher, Bow Wow. I'm like, man, y'all just killing. And I'm like, man, I know I'm I'm good. I should be able to. Right. <laughs> right. Looking in the mirror, trying to figure this out. So I just like, man, hey, I want to work with you, but I knew that I had more quote-unquote, respect. Right. And he had more money. <laughs> <laughs> success. <laughs> oh, it's not called yeah. money. Success. Like him, he, he had money. Was, he had we, we talked about it. He had respect. And I felt it was a trade. I was like, I got some sauce. You got some. See what happens. So that's where I learned how to make big records. I make the Bow Wow record. I make a couple other. I produce a Record for Plies. Did that? Was, I like that song. I'm just saying. I just humbled myself. You, you guys don't even know I was humbling myself. Like I was like, forget everything you know. Empty your cup. Just how hard was that? How hard for for you to? Like, it was hard because and when you got respect doing a certain thing, the last thing you want to do is risk that currency. Right. Because so you can't get it back. Yeah. The last thing I want is like Pete Rock to be like. <laughs> <laughs> You you try to sell out and you bricked. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, nah, man, I gotta. But I, I was trying to expand it because I you know what it really was? I saw I saw Puff and D Dot expand Kanye. So they took his sound and Well, I saw him he got a piece from me. And then I saw him mix it with a piece. And then Jay and and then I saw a bunch of pieces that equal something else, right? And I was like, well, I Again, I don't go. That, that my I don't have that ego. I go. Well, I'm gonna make some pieces, 
right? Let me, what's the mother pieces that nobody's paying attention to? Oh, right? So let me go to JD, who has the sauce, but no, you know, okay. Nope. I see what you did. You okay. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a whole yeah. other world. Yeah. I go there. It was untapped. And the first thing he's like, let's go to the strip club. I'm like, strip club? <laughs> I've never been to a strip club in my life. Why would I go to the strip club? I'm here trying to make music. And then I go in there and it's like a club with a few naked people. <laughs> and I'm like, this is different. So you just got immersed in the Atlanta culture. You yeah, got to and see. I'm like, oh, okay, I get you off records now. I'm and you, are you wondering? <laughs> you got to go to the club like, and it's naked people walking around. Okay, <laughs> you're like, and this that, that just dance with you for a couple dollars. I'm like, this is okay. I get what you're saying in these records now. And this is why it's working here, not working in Chicago. Yeah, because, you know, some of the records might sound like soliciting a prostitute. Right? <laughs> now I'm like, no. Oh, I get it. Club. Throw some dollars at you. Got it. So you. <laughs> oh, that's the dance y'all do in the club. Oh, I got it. So <laughs> <laughs> you take this information, yep. and I can just see you. Everything's turning in your brain. Yeah. Next thing you know, you get a couple placements on Jay-Z, American Gangster album. Yes, which was, I'd already worked with Jay. I already went through the Rock the World, da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, let's go work with Jay. Because he now he knows my currency. is. He can walk you in that. Yeah. So it's like, not a money in. thing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is my, now I'm blindfolded. I, 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 this is what I do, right? And that's when we did the, the two things for American Gangster. And um, I think that's when I began to like round out my proper perspective of how much underground hip hop or cultural hip hop, Southside hip hop, common, this, that, mix it with my newborn Southern R&B hit like information and codes as me and Kanye call it. I was like, oh, I got new codes in in different area codes. No. Um <laughs> but it all clicks. Yes. Everything that you've been working towards right. you're, at this point, you're probably in your thirties, right? So like it didn't happen super young. And I think that's a lot of times young people get like, man, if yeah. I if I don't get on by the time I'm twenty seven, like it it I don't have a career. I don't know many people that got on that young that have a, that do anything in their 30s. It's yeah. not many. Right. I don't know many people that did music when I started and still actively do right. music. So it's definitely not about when you get on. It's once you figure it out. Yeah. It's, a, it's really just about your trajectory and understanding that you don't want to peak. You want to keep going up. A steady incline. Yes. A peak is a, a reason to fall for me in my perspective. i never seen anyone hold a peak up all forever. Matter of fact, the more you peak, the more you hate it. Yeah, and the harder you fall. Yes. The, more you, the harder you even pull down. Yeah, it's tough to get back up after that. Yeah. And you've, you've, your whole career has been just a steady... Yeah, I'm just a little engine that could... <laughs> So after that, you explode. You, yeah. you, you create the, um, 
you know, the, in my opinion, you created the sound for 808s and Heartbreaks. I mean, that that is, you play a lot in that, right? I'll say it, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> then everybody's calling. Then you make your transition. Well, no, I'm going to tie that together. Really, Kanye's mom's past. And um, Malik yourself goes, Dion, you got to be there for him. I go, do I? Relationship's not... It's not bad. It's just he's a superstar. I got a different personality. I don't want to hang out. I don't want to, you know, I'm just different. I'm just studying. I'm learning. I'm growing. You know, that environment is just not really, you know, because remember, he's younger than me. So when he was 14, I was 20. He was the young kid. And by the time I'm 26, he's 20. By the time he's 26, I'm not. I don't want to do 20 years. I don't want to hang out like that, right? So he's like, nah, he needs you, Dion, and you, you know, he trusts you. And I'm like, you're, you're right. And I literally reconnect our relationship non-musically. Like, we just start talking more. And um, one day we just saw each other, and he's like, yeah, I'm about to go to Hawaii and work on some beats for Jay. You want to come and work together? Now, mind you, I'm like, I don't, what do you mean work together? I'm like, we don't work together. We help each other, right? Um, but I'm like, cool. You're not going to turn that down. So we flew out of Hawaii, and we really did work for Jay, and that turns into us creating a system, a, a system. That. The, the blueprint three you were working on that first and then that that's what we were working on and it wasn't until we made Heartless that he was like nah I'm doing an album and that was how 808s and Heartbreak came into play so um, he saw the sauce you were giving Jay and was like actually I'm, I'm not giving him that and I was like just give it to him he's like no <laughs> and matter of fact I'm gonna imitate he's like what you Hell no. Yeah. He said, I'm keeping that. <laughs> yeah. That's dead. And the next thing you know, he's gone touring. And Jay is like. <laughs> you had that the whole time? He like, what happened to my album? And again, me having that relationship over these years. Because mind you, <sighs> I'm, I'm a Chicago person at heart, which means, and you guys will notice, it's hard for us to become friends with people when we really don't know them yet. <laughs> so I know them, but we're not. Yeah. And it, it's funny because fast forward and all of that leads to eventually he comes back, we do finish the blueprint, I do that for auto-tune. And I remember one day he's in the garden and he walks past me and, and I don't really say nothing. And he stops and he goes and looks back at me and he's like, man, you ain't going to speak? <laughs> and I was like, man, it's your space, man. I don't know you like that to be yeah. just walking up to you speaking, man. You <laughs> invite me into your space. Man. He'd be like, man, you've been around me all these years. Oh, man, forget it, man. So at that point you feel comfortable around you. Oh, no. Still not. Not yet. 
fast forward, it really wasn't until 444 that we became friends. Right? And did you guys talk throughout those? We would talk, but it was not. He's, you know, he's an introvert too. He don't, you know, all in his raps. He makes it seem like he's a yeah, big fake, fake hugs, fake what's ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. Like he don't, he's not opening up. Right, it, and I'm not opening up. So it really like so. The funny part is doing the doing the um, four 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 sessions. One day he go like, "Man, you're like a good guy, man." <laughs> and I'm like, like, "Thanks. It only took you ten years." I was like, "You are too, man." I I had no idea. I didn't really. I thought. I, I, you know, he's like, nah. I think it's man. the. He's like, I Jay-Z. thought you was rude. I was like, why would you think I'm rude? He's like, because you would never speak. You would just come in my studio, you know, say nothing. I was like, I was being respectful. Wow. All right, now we got to rewind back. So that's how you earned your respect with Jay Z. That's being how, humble. That's how, I don't know. That's how we became friends. Because like now we're friends. Yeah. Like, and I don't even use that it's not like I got a lot of friends in the business right um, but, and that's why 444 turned out the way it did because yes. you had a real yeah. bond relationship yes and we know how to deal with each other in a way that brought the best out of each other not just musically but just enjoying every day it was really fun and therapeutic and um, he was probably looking for somebody like that right I don't know. He was looking for it. How did that even come about? Like, how did he even breach the the? Hey, let's do an album together where it's just me and you. We never said that. It was not the. No, never was a conversation. It was um, he would see me and true story. He'd be like, I tell some of the funny ones. One time I saw him at the uh, cause it'll lead into some more things on your list. He saw me at the title thing, right? He's like, man, what a butter's at. I'm like, huh? The beats, man. Where the butters, man? What's up, man? Where the beats? That's just what he said. He just casually yeah. rolled up on you. I'm like, man, I ain't, man, you know, I got this job now. He's like, job? <laughs> Did you say job? <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? Yeah. I, at the time, I'm like, man, I got this Def Jam thing, man. He's like, man, God didn't make you to work no job. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God made you to make music, man. You make you incredible. You can't never tell me you didn't make the music because of a job. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And every time we would see each other, it would be another. So the next time, fast forward another time, he saw me like, man, you got what you working on? And I was like, getting better. He's like, what you mean? I'm working on getting better. That's what I'm working on. He's like, you ain't got no beats? I said, no, I'm working on getting better, man, at beats and life. <laughs> and this job. Yeah. No, I didn't bring the job up okay, ever that, again. Ever again. That was the last yes. time. Yes. the last time you discussed the J-O-B. Yeah. Fair. And all that led to one day when I, I did this thing, I made 100 beats. I was trying to wax on walks off again. Made 500 beats. Eureka, I think I got a new style. I hit him. No, he hits me. Hey, man, 
I need you to help me with this Vic Mensa. And I go, and I got some beats now. <laughs> By the way. And he like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, nah, man, I got some beats this time. He's like, yeah, for sure, let's, you know. <laughs> let's link up. And you're just Yeah, like, and I'm like, stop playing. I got some beats. <laughs> I got, I, matter of fact, no, I got it. I got the emails too. So this is I, all. I was like, I really got your next blueprint esque thing. I know that's a lot to say, but I think I got it. He's like, yeah, that's, that's a lot to say. You had his attention. His ears are standing up at this point. No, I didn't have his. I just, I didn't. He don't care. He don't care. So we meet up, and I tear his ears off with beats and he like man don't disappear man I'm ready but I was like nah man you don't understand so I just start emailing him beats every day just packs every day just three to five every day until um, <laughs> the, the kill Jay Z beat and then he was like come over right now that hit him my house right now yeah that, that was the one that and then it would just turn into talk. It really wasn't. It was more like, oh, we laid it down a good song. And then we just started talking. But every day I would just keep emailing these beats. And, then, and I was like, I'm not going to let up. And I was, because <laughs> we, we joke like this. I was like, man, I could, I'm going to outwork you, man. You lazy. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't about this, man. I'm about this. I do, really I do music. Thing. I don't know. You might not do music no more. I say, I say, we talk crazy to each other. I just said, you have that. I kind just of said to him Jesus last week, crazy. I'm like, you still doing music, man? He's like, he's <laughs> like, oh yeah, okay. Now nah, I get it. I know what you're saying. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so what started off as a Vic Mensa project now becomes 444. Yeah, and of course Vic, like Vic's like, what? It's the same thing. <laughs> He's like, yo, come on, man. Uh, see, right place, right time with you. You got to be, you got to be right there. But that's revenge for you know when you did the yay thing, eight oh eight. So he, he yeah. got, he got what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about? Is it, could you guys do more? Is there more coming? You, you and Jay. Who knows? It's just gotta happen. When you get in that friend zone, it's, you don't look at it like that. It's different. The relationship's yeah, different. It's now. just like. Sometimes we do silly stuff like just now talk, sit on the grass and talk. <laughs> so it's a friend. It's a real friendship now. Rich people stuff. Yeah, rich people stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> so does he? He doesn't ask you about the job anymore. Definitely, he doesn't ask. He doesn't ask you about it. No. So I mean, at one point, I was gonna. Uh, I, we had discussed me being at Rockefeller, I mean Rock Nation mm -hmm. one time, but I think we got bigger views now of that we share of goals we want to accomplish. And speaking of job, like I just, before, I know we're, the clock is ticking, we're, we're running out of time here, but I want to talk about um, you transitioning into an executive. Mm -hmm. um, how difficult was that? Or is that something that you always wanted to do? Or is that something that it just happened. Absolutely never wanted to do it. No ambition <laughs> whatsoever. Um, it literally was just because um, one day, 
And I'm like, this is dark, twisted fantasy time, probably. Kanye goes, good music is over. If you don't become the president, I'm distancing myself from this. And I go, well, I guess I can't say no. I got to say yes. So with it being somewhat of a dysfunctional setup, <laughs> I quickly saw that I could be deemed a failure. I don't like failing. I construct a plan in my mind. I'm like, I got to make one thing work, one thing work, one thing work. And again, here comes that little, little Malik Yourself voice. He's like, Big Sean is good, man. You should help Big Sean. Gotta love, gotta love the the voice of Malik <laughs> yeah, Youssef. Like, you think so? <laughs> yeah, he is good, right? Yeah. So I just go grab him. I take him to L.A. I, um, put him. He was just kind of sitting there at the time. It wasn't. Mm, no, I was about to be Dunsies. Bad. Yeah. So that was four, four or five years. He was. He was just sitting there. Yeah, he put out projects. You got to remember, he had all the looks. So many mixtapes, features. Yeah. He had, a, he had looks. So I just I grabbed him. We put together the project. And, and then I just turned it in. And everybody was like, what the hell just happened? So at the time, L.A. Made a power move. Yeah. yeah. So at the Def Jam, they was like, man. If we hire you, can you just keep doing that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can do that. That was from an A&R standpoint, right? They were like, can you just A&R all or produce? What was, what was whatever, that? whatever you want to call it. We just want you. We just want you to do that again. And I was like, cool. But then L.A. Reed leaves. He goes to Epic, so then I, he's like, come to Epic, and then Karen Kwok is like, no, come to, and um, it led to me doing it. Now, once I got in there, and I started to, like, look under the hood, I go, oh, uh-huh, and I felt like, and I told Jay this before, I was like, I get it. I get what you saw. <laughs> you went in there and saw it, and now you're you. I just saw it. But I also felt an obligation to now um, educate myself and put my 10,000 hours in. So again, I go back to humble myself and go through the process. I think I'm about 10,000 hours right now on the exact side now. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, so now I think I'm um, armed and ready um, because, you know, I get it. You got to remember, I started out when it was all indies. Um, and then I watched the majors kill it. And then I watched the youth demand independence again. And I go, we, we had it in the first place. And nobody wanted it. Everybody wanted it. No one wanted it. And now we want it. And I always go, all right, it's cold outside. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. You know, I always I like in, uh, in being independent to having your own treehouse in the forest. It's yours, but there's ants and rain. There's a lot of weather. And no toilets. <laughs> so be prepared. But the, these majors are like mansions. 
that maybe it's a little mold on the wall. Maybe the pipe's not right. <clears throat> but somebody got to go in there and fix it. Or we put the treehouse in the mansion. <laughs> but I don't want to be in the forest. I don't have fallen for that. It's too much. I want to control something and make it better. It can serve us better um, with minds that's been on both sides of it. That understand 10,000 hours there, 10,000 hours there. So it went from me doing something just because I could do it to me actually seeing a purpose and sticking in throughout all the corporate politics and all of the non-musical things I have to endure to say as a creative cultural minority that's qualified, I'm not going to be denied the opportunity to take one of these ships and turn it in the direction we needed to go. And I'm, I'm just not going to stop. And, 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 and how difficult is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's difficult because now you're putting yourself at odds with people who are like, we don't want it to go that way. Because they're stuck for doing and, and by the way, they make their living with it going that way. But I don't care. And I never needed a job anyway. <laughs> so I got nothing to lose. Right. Fire me. But I do think as long as, um, you know, we make great records, and find great talent, that's the core of our business, and have great relationships, educate ourselves, can't be denied. It's a Kanye trait. Right. <laughs> Something that you learned from him. I learned from watching him. Can't be denied when you qualify yourself. That's the soundbite. So, you know, to bring it back full circle before we wrap it up and get, get into the Q&A, you know, as a pillar of the Chicago hip-hop community, you've seen it, you were in it, mm. watched it, now you've been able to kind of see it from afar and help nurture things. Like, where are you happy with how, you know, the, the scene has, has, has gone, how it's turned out, um, you know, kind of the seeds that you've planted? Um, of course, because it was nothing. Um... But I hope to see more from the standpoint of doing my history. I understand that Quincy was here and Curtis Mayfield was here and a lot of big companies were here. I would love to see us build out the business better and not just be so creative. Um, I think it's going to take some education more than talent. And um, that's what I mean by somebody's, a company has to invest in that with a different business model, understanding the long-term um, gain. Um, I think that the, the part that I get disheartened by here is that um, the, the economic uh, culture of the city causes a level of desperation um, that makes no one it's like pressure that call, and fear that causes you to not think as you would if you were just in a state of calm and I see a lot of mistakes that we make 
that I wish we did make. Um, because, you know, a lot of, the quicker we do that and turn this, this resource around and create opportunity, it's going to create less violence. It's going to create more growth. And it can't come from one person. It can't come from one of us. It's actually got to come. Of course, we've seen the growth. I mean, look at Chance and different people. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I just, I guess, I'm anxious to see it really come together. Can it be duplicated? Is it, can it be and it's what we call it in corporate world scalable? Right. Can we scale this, or is it good for one, or two, or five? I want to see it good for fifty. And then 500, and then 5,000, right? And that's not just the entertainer, that's the engineer, the studio owner, the promoter, the... The manager, I mean everything, the studio owner, everything. It's created an economic cottage, right? And everybody has what they need in the cottage, and you start to trade services, and you start to bring income in, and build because that's the the last thing that I want to I just would love to see us build more and you know the think we we just went over my first record came out in 92 right so do you think it's improved since 92 if like you're looking at you know oh I'm just I'm just getting good I'm just getting good I'm just now understanding what being a producer means um, beyond making music. Quincy Jones never gave Michael Jackson a beat. It's just not about that. It's something else. And I'm learning. And I'm going to be able to apply this information to anything. But more than anything, I want to be able to apply it to other people who can multiply it. Right? Because I know I can only do so much. I already had to trudge through this thing when it was nothing. You know, my knees get tired. I needed to build 10 me's and then 10 me's. And a faster. 10. But you know if you could duplicate that because you learned so much having to sludge through all that stuff. Absolutely. You have the knowledge that you can pass on to make it. And I'm trying to get the knowledge that didn't get passed on to me. And that is more important than me being the one to go build it and put my name on it and stick my chest out. Say, look at me. It's more about just creating the next opportunities for there'll be 20 chances. So, you know, I, of course I tip my hat to everybody here that's doing great. I mean, I, again, I told you I'm humbled by everybody because I don't really see myself as nothing except smart guy that got out the trap you've continued to progress and, and had a you know an amazing career and yeah. you know that's why we're here tonight so thank you so much thank you for coming out um, hey this is jordan rothline again thanks for listening to couch wisdom before you go i just wanted to take a minute to tell you a little bit about the red bull music academy the whole thing is a world-traveling series of music workshops and events. If you want to find out more, check us out at redbullmusicacademy.com. 
Also, if you liked what you heard on this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please go for it and consider rating us while you're at it. It really helps other people discover the podcast. Finally, there's a whole world of other great music programming like this to check out at redbullradio.com. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.